0: Bad
1: and bo- Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Erica. And we have a jam-packed uh, agenda for this episode, but, uh, you know, I just want to talk to Erica for a second. Hey. I know you're having a bad day yeah i love you thank you and i'm glad that uh we get to work out your anger together
0: (laughs) oh it will be worked out in this episode
1: oh goodness especially with our misogynist of the week i can't wait to (laughs) hit his ass um i i'm glad that i woke up this morning with a voice what happened do you have a cold no, I don't. I just one have a perpetual cough slash chronic bronchitis. You know what? That's
0: happening a lot lately, like in the last couple of years or so. Yeah. I find that, and I'm wondering if it's the the variation in temperature has to do with it. And the
1: the cold definitely yeah. affects me, okay. um, quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, <laughs> to Erica's phone. <laughs> that was my mom. Hi, mom. <laughs> Uh, also, it was my mom's birthday yesterday. Oh,
0: happy birthday, happy birthday, Aaron's mom! um
1: Is she a G two? She's also a G. Yes, she's a G. All right. Word. What? <laughs> <laughs> she's real white. Um, she's she's
0: probably gonna be like, that's lovely, but what does that mean? <laughs> so shout out to Aaron's mom, happy birthday! um I also got a voicemail.
1: Apparently, great. Yeah, love when parents leave voicemails.
0: I hate that like yeah honestly i know you called
1: i that's all i need to know
0: that's all i need to know you're not gonna just s- text me if it's an emergency exactly and they know how to text yeah so this no no I know. so I, know.
1: I have this cough and i uh, taught two spin classes yesterday and then i went out to a bar and i left the bar with no voice and i don't know where along the way i lost it and I talked to my boyfriend. He was like, you sound real bad. <laughs> you know what? It's you getting up at six, 5. Yeah, that, that happens once a week. Okay. Let's which not which day is that? Friday. Oh. Of yeah. all the days? Friday, yeah. Jeez. I know. So you teach spin at 6? Six? 6 and then 5.30. And
0: where do you teach spin?
1: I teach spin at Wheelhouse Cycle in Ottawa. Where? Which one? Um, so right now I teach at the... Wellington West Studio, and then probably, hopefully, by the time you're listening to this, our second location opened up downtown. I saw that the
0: second location was opening up, and then
1: I'll be teaching Tuesdays there.
0: Oh, so you will be teaching there? Yeah, both. Okay, so if you wanna, you know, hang out with me, yeah, get fit with Aaron because Aaron's pretty fit.
1: Oh, I don't stop. I have to be (laughs) because I spin so much. Um, yeah, and I'm going to try to get Erica to come at six in the morning. No, right? I teach in the evenings. Too. Okay. Okay.
0: Okay. Right. I can do that. I can do that. Uh,
1: so anything else you want to say you want to share? Yeah.
0: Um, so my business, not in my color, we are doing holiday makeup again this Ooh. year. So every year we do like a holiday makeup special and we basically do your makeup for your holiday parties you're to be all glitz and glam, and we, um, we work on all different ethnicities. Great. And we're good at working on all different skin tones, so it's not in my color with a U, Um, You can contact me at erica at notinmycolor.com or I'm on Facebook. Actually, message me on Facebook. (laughs) Let's just be honest. Let me just give you one set of instructions and not like 18. 18. So message me on Facebook, either my personal or my business,
1: Not In My Color. Okay, I'm done. Uh, I should have tapped you for all the holiday parties I have to go to. I know. You have one tonight. I do have one tonight.
0: And? Is it your holiday party?
1: Uh, Like my work one? No. Yeah. It's friends.
0: Are you going to your work one?
1: Yeah. Like we're going to go bowling in one afternoon, which is fine. And then the other one is I think we're going to go to play board games or something. That's fun. Board, I like board games. I like board games with people I already like. I like most of my colleagues. Oh. They're I, it's a new job and so they're all oh, young. okay they're like a ball they're young <laughs>
0: they like being out and about okay so they're like oh that's really really cool yeah so you got so the like what was like the average age of your old workplace compared to now it's a lot younger or is it like 10 years younger or...
1: um Cause now- i would say it's yeah so my previous workplace the average age was well there's a big disparity like there's a bunch of like young 30s and then mid 40s and older okay so here it's a lot of late 20s to to late 30s early 40s and then a couple outliers on the high end
0: really yeah and how does that change the environment and the dynamic I know you've only been there for a bit like basically less than a month but
1: um, yeah it's definitely interesting because you have a lot of people who are starting families, mm-hmm. uh, but then you also have a lot of people who are a year or two out of university. Oh, that's interesting. Um, but everyone being so close in age, they have a general understanding of technology and pop culture and things that are happening in society um, and not just focusing on their kids sports or activities or their parent teacher interviews and like those things are important but like it's difficult for to have such a um disparity from like my previous job
0: yeah i hear you like in my previous job i would say the average age is probably about was probably about 38 to maybe 43 yeah something like it was older well at least upper 30s like there were a few young people there but the young people act old so yes. they don't they don't know about pop culture they don't know about things that are happening like in the wider culture i could go like this is a place where charlottesville could be happening mm-hmm. and they would it would come in they would come in and act like nothing happened yeah. and i find that Disturbing and I find it false, and there's a discomfort and it, a discomfort there because you know that everybody should know what's going on. So, take it take the um, um, when Nathan Forsillo was killed oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. outside Cirillo, Cirillo, um, everybody knows a shitty at names. Um, <laughs> when he when when that was going on, yes. so that Parliament Hill shooting we didn't even get an email this was going on at like 10 30 or 11 we yeah. didn't even get an email to like 3 or two thirty it, oh. to even to even because we were on lockdown yeah they didn't even communicate it to us until after lunchtime and people were worried about their
1: kids yeah so i knew that what had happened because i was following it on twitter That's how I knew what was happening. It's because I was on
0: Twitter, yeah, and nobody else was, and I was giving everybody else updates that their own management wasn't giving them. Yeah, wasn't giving us. So I find that it's it's funny how social media kind of even usurps the internal processes. Yeah, because everybody then was coming to me for information because I knew how to use the Twitter. Because any uh, yeah, any I knew how to contact the outside
1: world. (laughs) They're like, how'd you do that? And I'm like, it's called Twitter. for fuck's sake. Anyway. Um, A couple more items of housekeeping. Yes. Um, Just a reminder, we are still looking for a new co-host. Applications are open until December 10th. December 10th, Yeah. So send us a rant, send us a whole bunch of things. I mean, there's like a bunch of criteria posted on our Instagram, posted on Twitter, posted on Facebook. So check out those feeds for more information. Um, Audio or video only. Yeah. Because, yeah, no. Yeah. We we just want to hear you. We want to know what you sound like. We want to make sure you're not mumbling. Yes. I mumble a lot in real life. I don't. Actually, but... <laughs> I, yeah.
0: No, that's not true. I say things under my breath, though. <laughs> that's that's my that's my passive aggressivity that's as far as it goes it's just like sometimes i'll say things under my breath oh
1: see so like, you what know, my passive aggressivity is all in my face
0: yes yes
1: you're like your sigh is like <laughs> hey you have a sigh too this is true um and then <laughs> <laughs> the second bit of housekeeping is um don't forget about our patreon um become a patron of the podcast you get advanced copies of bonus content including podcasts and videos um you get access to our newsletter uh swag um, so check us out patreon.com slash bad and bitchy uh you can find the link on our facebook on twitter instagram instagram yes also instagram which which reminds me i need to repost that on instagram note to self now she has to do it see All right. So let's go. Let's Let's... get into it. How's this week (sighs) in feminism? All right. Well, um, we started this past week off with a bit of good news. Actually, we ended the week on some other good news, which is a completely different strain that we're not going to talk about. Yeah. But this good news um, is that everyone's favorite ginger, Prince Harry, uh, got engaged to Suits actress Meghan Markle. I personally love Suits. Um, And this was a big deal for a number of reasons. Uh, One, Meghan Markle is American. Two, she is 36 years old to Harry's 33. Um, She's a divorcee. Uh, She's Roman Catholic. um, And the royal family is Is followers of the Church of England, (laughs) which is, eh, I'm not going to say more or less the same because I actually have no idea. Um, And of course, she is very much not white. Nope. (laughs) Um, And she is, in fact, half black and half white and identifies as biracial. Um, And a lot of people are stoked about their engagement because it signals a change in the stodgy traditional monarchy and that it will bring a black princess into England, thereby changing Britain's relationship with non-white people for the better forever and act as though the racist comments that have been spewed over the last year regarding Meghan Markle... um, talking about their relationship and even through the announcement of their engagement as though they never happened, just kind of sweeping them under the rug. Yeah. So, So, Erica, what are are your thoughts? Oh, jeez. Okay. (laughs) So I posted this on my Facebook and
0: I was like, I think one of the comments I made was like, I hope Meghan Markle's maternal family, maternal side of the family, shows up and does the electric slide. Yeah, because they're the black side. The black side. Um, okay. So this became this became a very, very controversial issue. Um not necessarily Okay. Um where should I start? Okay, so Meghan Markle, um I have been a fan of suits since it started. Same. Um and I thought. The funny thing is, when I saw her, I thought, "Hmm, those edges look a little funny." And then I was like, "Erica, you think everybody's black? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like you're you're like trying to sniff out blackness everywhere. So just just let it go." And then and then I think I read her her piece in Elle magazine, and I was like, "Aha!
1: I knew it." And so that was the one from 2016 where she wrote about being biracial.
0: That's right. More than an other.
1: Yes. So that's from December twenty second, twenty sixteen.
0: Yes, um, it's probably getting shared around you.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: her dad is white and her mom is black, um, and I think what she like she's made comments that she's like unapolog- like her mother's unapologetically black and and so on. She's got on braids, support. right? She has da um, da 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 dreads. Okay, yeah. So uh, this. This topic brought out a lot of conversation on my page. So we're first going to start with the royal family. And Prince Harry has always been a bit. Prince Harry has always been the rebel. Like of
1: the duo. He was always the one who was willing to push the
0: boundaries. That's right. He talked about mental health
1: earlier this year um which i thought
0: was um absolutely incredible basically the british monarchy for them to survive and thrive need prince harry they need him yeah if they didn't have a prince harry we wouldn't be as invest they need us to be invested in them and how they do that is through marriages and babies
1: yeah like i think prince harry Vis-à-vis Prince William, mm-hmm. um, is much more interesting. Yeah. Um, although I will say Prince William is much more interesting than his father. Well, that wasn't hard. Which is not a high bar. Um, but yeah, I think by having the the quote-unquote spare, as they call Harry, yes, an heir and a spare, I think it it does allow him to be more free and be more have more personality yeah you know like if and i think that is probably going to be the same for uh prince williams children like i think the younger like the ones that aren't the direct right
0: right that first one george has a lot of responsibility yes
1: the other two not so much yeah yeah so hope you know we can see that maybe they'll be able to live a little bit of their lives a little bit more as they want to. Yeah,
0: because it's um, it's not an easy life to live. Oh. So. Um, I wouldn't wish this on anybody. I mean, I, they can't even use Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the rules and regulations surrounding their existence day-to-day, minute-to-minute, is way more restricted than you and I could ever, ever imagine oh absolutely i remember watching um and this will age me but whatever uh i remember watching um oprah a long time ago and fergie was on
1: it Mm -hmm. It was right after her her divorce right
0: right after her divorce and she talked about so she and diana were like friends right they were like besties and so for a while and then they got i don't know what happened but they fell out anyway so um she was talking about about the actual like thickness of of sheets and thread counts and how how you couldn't use 100 watt light bulbs you had to use 60 or something like that that's weird it's just the weirdest the curtains had to be a specific length um everything everything is calculated everything is structured and cut and and just ugh. like the whole thing is is that Princess Diana brought humanity into the mm-hmm. royal family, which it did not have before. Because as much as um, the Queen is, and I know some, there are people out there who think that the Queen is great. I do not. I will just say this right now: I am no. I am no royal watcher or I think the institution is crinkled up and dry and ashy. Um, and it really is a relic of everything that goes wrong in this world. It really is that symbol. It is a symbol of colonialism. It's a symbol mm-hmm. of oppression. It's a symbol of extreme white supremacy, of classism, sure. of class politics, of class oppression. It, it just, it. there's nothing good about the monarchy in terms of its brand, except when it brings new entrants. And that's what it's doing. It yeah. needs to survive.
1: It's trying to modernize. It's trying
0: to modernize because I, th- I honestly think the backlash with the coldness of the queen at Diana's funeral, like around Diana's death or surrounding Diana's death, I think that really rocked the monarchy. Yeah, They didn't realize that people actually cared about that stuff. They didn't realize that people wanted a more human face, and that's what Diana gave them. Diana gave them a lifeline. Yeah, she really did. Because had they continued the way they were going, they we might have been talking about um, uh, a procedure now to get rid of the monarchy. I think it was that like make or break for them.
1: Absolutely, I think. Yeah, I think because of Diana people started caring and having empathy towards the monarchy She brought in empathy into that monarchy and
0: that's not easy to do and she and she was ostracized for it Mm -hmm. they ostracized her yeah and so i don't really think well of them the people are like oh the queen the queen the queen did so much and blah 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 blah. and i'm sure fine whatever but what else was she gonna do like like what were her options so i don't really meh you know, talk to me about, I don't know, somebody else. Somebody who <laughs> overcame. You know, I'm really interested in story. I'm really taking this in, in another direction.
1: No, but I, I will say she did have to kind of come of age in the role just because she was so young when she, she became... was 20 years old yeah. when, when she married Good him. God, I couldn't imagine becoming, like, the head of state for a number of countries at the age of 20. Yeah. Like, I was a complete fuck up at 20.
0: But by the time but you know what was interesting too? I think she lost her they divorced in 1993 or something she and Charles? Something somewhere around there and then she had her interview
1: that I think it was 94ish. 93 94,
0: yeah. yeah. And she had that interview with Martin Bashir. And that's when she became a brand.
1: Yeah. Oh So if you want to like are really interested in the Royals and particularly them as brands and marketing tools and then all of the protocol and timing uh, related to uh, the Royals and the engagement announcement and everything, read Lainey Gossip. Okay, I'm so into Lainey Gossip. She loves the Royals and she loves talking about them as like a brand and an institution, not from like the monarchy is an important thing she does the analysis of like as a socio-cultural entity
0: she does a lot of those analyses um i was listening to so i'm gonna give laney gossip another plug because you got me onto that podcast yeah and it's called show your work and i was just i'm a couple of episodes behind but i was listening to the one on drake Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that piece on Drake was just such a fantastic analysis in terms of the business end of Hollywood. And I think she 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 intersects the business end of Hollywood, the pop culture significance, and the industry just really, yeah. really well, Yeah. Um anyway that's that's another shout out. But what did she say in the um in her piece?
1: Oh, she's had so many. She's talked about um, Diana as a brand um, following the divorce and how she was able to she was kind of the original Angelina Jolie ma- media manipulator. Nice. Yes, she was. Do you... I remember those blue doe eyes yep. on
0: my... the way the she, cover she of talked... people? Oh, yes. And the way she cocked her head, I was like, brilliant. Mm-hmm. It is a masterpiece. Actually, she out the royal family. Oh, That's yeah. what's so amazing.
1: Yeah. She totally,
0: um, out, like, she understood media to the point where they did
1: not. And she excoriated them on that interview with Karen. Yes. Um, and so with Meghan Markle, she was talking about obviously didn't follow Meghan Markle as an actress on suits because it's a fairly inconsequential TV show um only she only started covering her with the connection to Prince Harry um but following the uh, the engagement announcement sh- they did the their interview with the BBC they had a photo call um and Lainey was like oh Meghan Markle understands one she's really good at engaging with the media and having a personality because, one, she's a performer, two, she's been doing it. Yeah. But also, she knows what is going to get the media's attention. She understands how it works. She's a player. She's gaming the media. Oh, interesting. Well, now I'm interested.
0: Because at the beginning of this, I wasn't as interested. Yeah. (laughs) But now I'm interested. Yeah. Because it's going to be... I think, you know, I mean, Kate and will are like i feel like they're they're the perfect next step they're not too offensive yeah they're right? vanilla they're very vanilla kate you know will never show her knees as soon as she got not married anymore. as soon as she got married she stopped showing her knees
1: uh there was a little i think a short period of time where she
0: was still but yeah was... and i think she got like yeah she, reprimanded. she got reprimanded, and she had to, you know, kowtow. Yeah. She had to, she she had to follow the rules. But I feel like Will and Kate are just the next logical step, um, to that modernization of the British monarchy. So, um, Kate was um, was different enough yeah. for Will. Yeah. There's no way Will mm-hmm. could bring home anybody who's not white, rich, and, and and connected. There's no way. Yeah. Nobody, no, no, like the British, white people, aren't going to, um, they're not going to want a non-white, like, queen. Sorry. But, yeah. In terms of the establishment, I'm not talking in terms of, like, um, the, subjects. The, the, the subjects I'm talking about the establishment the establishment is not going to want that they already had a hard time with her not being of royal blood so I think like basically what I'm saying is this all stems from Diana that's what yep. I'm saying yeah but so there we are there's the um, there's the structural side of this discussion mm-hmm.
1: Um, I'm really interested to, for you to share about what people were saying on your Facebook.
0: Yeah, I'm going to, like, now I'm getting to the racial part of this discussion. So as we know, Meghan Markle is black and white. Um, as an aside, people, please don't use the word mulatto. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. You should see how, you should hear how many people, like, people just say it. What? Yeah. Don't use that word. Okay,
1: like remember that Ivanka Trump quote saying that she saw like a mulatto dick once
0: yeah like fuck off it's a slave term people and it's used to describe um offspring of basically slave rape. yeah that's basically what it's for so don't use that word and I know and that that word I hear more in Canada than I ever heard in the United States and I lived in the south
1: huh interesting
0: Um, so there's that second of all, okay, no, that's, there is no second of all after that. But, um, so there is a sub discussion surrounding Meghan Markle's blackness and her, her adoption into the whitest, most one of the whitest, most powerful institutions in the world okay so it's the how black is she is she really black is she really representative of us or is she just another um mixed biracial person not really embracing their black side and that that piece that sort of i want to say rejection from biracial children in terms of their blackness is something that black people are very vigilant about. Mm -hmm. Because, sorry, we've been through Stacey Dash. We've been through Clarence Thomas. We've been through all the... (sighs) Oh, oh gosh, what should I call them? All the coonery, really. Um, We've been through all that. Don't use coonery. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We've been through all that. We've been through... People who, um, black people who, um, who will betray us. It's, mm-hmm. it's a historical thing. Sure. Um, so we're always vigilant about blackness, not as a skin color, but as a mindset. Yes. So when we talk that, when we say someone's black, we're not talking skin tone although that's like a necessary condition but it's not a sufficient one
1: this is similar to the conversation that people have had recent in like the past few years about beyonce and her embracing her blackness
0: that's right yeah the beyonce conversation is exactly about that yeah we're we're, even colin kaepernick colin ka wow okay so (laughs) there is there is an irony there (laughs) about Colin Kaepernick being biracial and and being blacker than black is black. And um, yeah, so the the question was, how black is Meghan Markle? So for those of you who think this is not a big deal, I don't even know what to say because it's a big deal. Identity is a big deal. Yes. It's a big deal. So um, people who... Our, our mixed heritage, that is a really big deal. Um, I personally, I don't want to wade. I don't, I personally don't really want to have an opinion on Meghan Markle's blackness because it won't matter anyway. Because what I believe is that at the end of the day, she is just another person of color being assumed into a white patriarchal oppressive structure She's not going to, I don't see her changing anything that they don't allow her to change. Yes. So whether or not she's black is of an importance to me in that sense. Because even if she were, it wouldn't matter. Or it no longer matters. Or it no longer matters. Because there, I believe, will be an attitude from those in the royal circle that she should be grateful for where she got as black people are used to being told to be grateful yeah, for just breathing apparently despite being
1: independently wealthy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So that kind of um, dovetails into uh, a column that I was reading today about that Leah McLaren wrote in McLean's. Um, Isn't that the one who got caught? Okay. Got caught breast... Said she was breastfeeding an MP's baby and wasn't. And she didn't have milk and whatever. (laughs) Blah, blah, (laughs) What a fucking crazy... (sighs) Uh, Anyway, so she was talking about how... You know she's going to wear that. You know she's going to wear that for the rest of her career. 100%. Okay. She was just writing about how Meghan Markle is giving it all up for love and how everyone's celebrating that and that's not social progress. And I was like, first of all, I don't think people are celebrating her for giving up all of her life in order to become a wife, which is what she writes. Um, But she does make a good point that like now she had all of these causes that she supported. She was a UN ambassador, all of these da-da-da-da-da, successful financial independence. Um, She had a blog previously
0: yeah the trigger something the tig the tig, yeah. The tig
1: yeah. yeah um and she was very outspoken against president trump and all of these other things but then now she's going to have to sacrifice all these those topics and interests for things that are approved by the royal family
0: and but how different is that from a
1: job well exactly like okay. as, as an actress you are your own brand you're representing yourself it's not like you're working for uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers or whatever where you still have to do things that line up with that don't embarrass the company.
0: Well, and that could be anything from walking your dog the wrong way. I don't know or not. You know what I mean? Like that that takes up so much space. There's so much that could fall into don't embarrass the company.
1: Yeah, uh, Because
0: if, let's say... So let's say that the company you work for um, has values that you're not really into, you know? I mean, do you have to assume the values of the company that you're working for? Because mm-hmm. if we look at this, Megan, and if we look at that as, yes, yeah.
1: I see you. No, no, no. I think we're getting <laughs> to the same point. Okay, good. Yeah, it's okay. more just like. You know, I think that she had her interests had to be vetted before, and that's why she shut down her blog and be like, these are things that you can't do. But I think the the charity work is a big part of being a royal, so I don't see why she couldn't pick charities to support that align with her general beliefs. I'm sure she will. Beliefs. Yeah, exactly. So, like, she may not be a, an outspoken advocate for whatever she was an advocate for, but yeah. she can still she work can, she... and promote causes she values she I think
0: if Lainey is right Lainey gossip Elaine sorry (laughs) if she's right and I trust her opinion um in terms of Meghan Markle's savviness I want to see what's gonna I want to see what 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 a digitally savvy royal is gonna bring to the table Mm -hmm. And it's funny, like I thought I was just gonna talk about her race and I thought I was gonna talk, I thought we were gonna dovetail into, into, you know, biracial children, which I'm sure we will. Oh, we'll I wanna talk about that. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> which I'm sure we will. Um, but like for now, I would, I would, I'm really interested now in how she built, will she continue to build her brand or will she be subsumed? into the mm. royal family because right now they, I really do think they need her more than she needs them. I really, I'll be honest. Oh, absolutely. So I hope that she understands that she has power in this and I hope she understands her own agency. Mm-hmm. But if she's savvy, she knows. Yeah. Yeah. So I think personally, I thought that this Leah McClaren, Macla- uh, see, I can't even say Leah What's her name, McLaren? Yeah. Okay. So um, I really do think that this is almost patronizing to Meghan Markle. And I'm not
1: surprised that some woman patronized her. Well, it's just like all of those stories floating around that I haven't read because it just – I have no time for it. It's like, are Megan and Kate gonna be besties or enemies? Oh my gosh,
0: you saw that on the National fuck,
1: Post. Fuck right off. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Why do we have to pit them against each other?
0: That's right. Like I, I don't understand. It already it's starting. The woman hasn't even moved. She barely got engaged, and it's like, ooh, are they gonna be the net? Na- okay, so the National Post <coughs> tweeted a story about which basically pit two women against each other and basically, basically said, um, or speculated, uh, on Megan and Kate's, Future relationship or relationship now, and it was trash. It was a piece
1: of trash. Didn't even read it because I was like, "This is garbage." I have no time for it. I knew I was gonna. I have no time for this (laughs) anti-feminist rhetoric.
0: It is so anti-feminist. And you know what? Either and it just spells out the media patriarchy in this in the in our society. Like, how about you do something a little bit more introspective if you're going to talk about their relationship? Do something a little deeper, and don't clickbait me, you can asshole. Still,
1: you can still work from that premise that, like, will they will they be friends or not? Why, and then be like, what And then examine why you th- started with this premise in the first place. Yes, like, yes. Why? Why does that we something we have to keep coming back to? But
0: it had no depth. No. It was trash. Okay, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> y'all, the National Post. I don't even know what they're trying to do. Oh, spe- oh. Oh, we're not going to talk. That's too bad. I went on a rant about the Globe and Mail's new, what's it called? Amplify, like newsletter for women. And I was like, that's such bullshit. They don't (laughs) give a shit about women. And I'll tell you why. Because if they did, they didn't even put in a page for this Amplify. Not even a page on your fucking website. I can add a page for you. Oh. Amplify does not even have a page. On the website. Well, okay. it hasn't launched yet. In it launched. Okay, well, it launched today. I'm gonna oh. damn well Google that bullshit.
1: Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm interested to see how the race stuff works out with Meghan Markle. Um, and I think that I nope, not here. I'm not disagreeing with the fact that you know, black people examining her blackness and questioning her blackness as like a mentality Uh, but I do think it's important yeah I don't discount the, the perspective of black people examining and questioning Meghan Markle's blackness as a mentality yeah but I do think that the her being biracial is some people were saying like oh well she identifies as biracial and not black and as someone who's biracial like I think that's important because we are always faced with questions about where we belong and who we identify with and you know you hang out with one side of your family You're like oh i'm very of color or i'm oh i'm very white when i'm with mm. my my other family interesting um and so i i worry megan markle is gonna find well i mean she factually will find herself constantly being the only person of color in any room yeah um, so I, I worry about how that will affect her. Yeah. Um, because then you always are having to be white or be not necessarily your true self. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... Wait, 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 wait. I
0: So you have to mask part of your identity?
1: Uh, yes and no. Like, I think for some people it's more than others. Like, how do you break through that? Like, because you seem like... I whole. I like I <laughs> identify as white for sure, but like there are times like I that's... hang out with a lot of white people, and like particularly in certain circumstances, I'm sometimes the only person of color, and I'm only half Chinese, and I'm like, oh wow, this everyone here is real white, mm. um, and that's sometimes when you get those like microaggressive comments.
0: So. I, I found it interesting that you identify as white, but you still talk about yourself of color. Yeah, because... So how do like, you... How do how I square d- that? Yeah, how do you square that?
1: Well, I mean, like, I was raised white. I asked to go to Chinese school. My parents were like, that's fine, but, like, no one can help me with the homework. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, like, I still am interested in the, in the culture, um, but... It's not the main thing that I'm interested in, right? Uh, mostly because it's not a big interest in my family generally. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I like a lot of just white things, so that's, which is why I identify as white. Mm. Like, I. L- Yeah, like, I obviously identify as biracial, but I know that I live very white. Okay. Yeah, I think that's probably more accurate. Okay, so
0: you're using white, not as skin color, but just as As a a lifestyle. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the same way
1: that you live, like, a black lifestyle, right? Sort of. You know what I mean? I'm whiter than a lot of people. No, 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 but, like, (laughs) like when you're talking about Meghan Markle and her being black.
0: Yes, 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 yes. I... Now, this is very interesting. I'm glad we're getting into this conversation. This is very interesting. Okay. So I grew up in, like, around white people yeah. a lot. So there's a there's a part of me that's very white in sure. that sense. Because it's all, in like, that's environment, right? Yeah. Nature versus nurture. Yeah. And up until I was about 11 years old, I was a very white black kid. Mm-hmm. You know? And then something happened. I think, I think my parents' black friends came over one day, and I couldn't dance. Oh, and that was a. And then ever since then, and then that's when I realized that I was missing something. Mm-hmm. And you know, they laughed at me. Whatever. <laughs> um, I'm a great dancer now, assholes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but the point was, is that. That was the moment I realized that I was not connecting with the people who looked like me. Right. And so that from there on is probably a lifelong journey to to round that square, yeah. I guess, you know, and to make that sorted. <laughs> so maybe that's why also, you know, you pretty much – when when you hear the N word for the first time, you pretty much. um, Do you know who called me the N word once? Oh my God, who? Preston Manning's son, <gasps> Nathan Manning.
1: Wow. Yeah,
0: I went to school with him. Yeah. In Saint Albert. Oh my God. Yeah, and so he used brutal. to call me Nick. Er. <laughs> 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 well, fuck it. It's explicit. Um, we really, I'm really earning the E rating today and, um, I just want to, as an aside, I just want to say there's a reason I say those racial terms out loud. I think that when you hear it, it's because I'm probably one of the few people, I'm, I'm hoping that if you listen to the podcast, I'm the one of the few people you will hear the N word from. If, let's hope I'm the only one. Um, Unless they're also
1: black on other podcasts.
0: Yeah. That's Okay. And we all know you sing along to the lyrics in the shower. It's fine, um, <laughs> but only in the shower. Only in the shower, not in front of me. Um, I really like. So, what the hell was I saying?
1: <laughs> you were, you were Preston Manning's son.
0: Oh yeah. Oh Nathan. Yeah. So that's why, till this day, I will never, I will never listen to anything Preston Manning says. Well, yeah. Nor should I, to be honest. Anyway. So you, <laughs> so yeah, like I, so for me now, so then I like try to discover my blackness. Okay. Which took me into teenage years and I did. And, um, and then I moved to Texas mm-hmm. and then, then you have to choose. Right. So, um, I guess I was more White in Texas, maybe, hmm. um, because the blacks around were American.
1: Yeah, and that's a different.
0: It's just a different vibe. It's a different mindset, different mm-hmm. vibe, different culture. Just different. Um, so I used to hang around like, like more the immigrant whites, yeah. <laughs> like, like the people from like and like Persians, and there there are a lot of Persians in Dallas. Huh. Um, and. Yeah. Yeah, that and then I, eventually, kind of came into my. Eventually, I kind of came into my own. Yeah,
1: you just figure out your place in the world. You figure
0: out your place, and it starts with you and who you are, and how much you want to. It's not about displaying. I think. I think we we air too much on how much we look like to others.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So do we? So when I was at work. Um, in a white um, male patriarchal um, white supremacist type of of industry, um, I felt like because even my voice was louder than everybody else's, mm-hmm. because everybody else talks like they're shushing, like inside boys talk like this, and I'm like, no, I can't hear what the fuck you're saying, okay? Yeah. And and because of that. I was too black for them, right? Yeah, they would never come out and say, but they would always tell me that I was something the like more, the, the other. They yeah. would always they would always alienate me and tell and alienate me as yeah. the other.
1: Well, that's what I worry that they're going to do with Meghan Markle,
0: and that yeah, that's what that's my worry. So. To the people who wrote in ask you know, talking about their racially mixed children and them finding an identity.
1: What advice do you have? I would say raise them as biracial. Don't raise them as white, don't raise them as whatever the other race is. Raise them as both. You know, teach them the values and the customs for both because then they can decide how like what traditions they want to take forward when as they grow up as they start forming their own relationships and families, then they can kind of make their own kind of culture. And I think that um, I, so a couple of years ago I celebrated Chinese New Year for the first time in Ottawa and I like had hosted a bunch of people and like made a big, made a big uh, dinner and that was really fun. And that was not something that there was something we started doing towards before I moved out to Ottawa from Vancouver Oh, so this brings up a question. Mm-hmm. Does growing
0: up in Vancouver not, like, make it unnecessary for you to seek out your culture? Uh, or, no, no, no. Would I say your culture? Uh, I, I mean your, eth-
1: your ethnic yeah. culture, yeah. Um, no, but I will say that I grew up, growing up in Vancouver where, where there's a large Asian population. Even in my high school, very, very much Asian, uh, over 50%. I would estimate, um, that I felt very white. Mm. And then moving to Ottawa, I felt very Asian.
0: Oh. Yeah. Well, Ottawa will make you feel... If you're not white in Ottawa, Ottawa will let you know. Yeah. Like, it will let you know through microaggressions and people saying stupid shit and people looking at you and people doing this. Like, Ottawa will let you know when you don't... When you're not one of them. Yeah. That's what I find in Ottawa. Yeah. And so... Going back to the royal family, are those the type of microaggressions, like at the dinner table? Yeah. Or the servants saying like, and I hate to use the word servants, I know, but the they help. are, they are, that's what they are. Okay, so is it the servants like talking, whispering under their breath yeah. in like an upstairs-downstairs sort of way? And no, I just, I just reference upstairs-downstairs, it's just a Downton Abbey sort of way. So think about Downton Abbey.
1: I didn't watch
0: it. Oh, okay. So, <laughs>
1: so but like, like in, gone
0: with the wind kind of, right. Yeah, right, right, right. You know, the yeah. same idea. Yeah. Right. So, um, and if she has to pay the price, what is the reward? Yeah. What reward and not what is the reward presented to her? Mm-hmm. What is the reward that she is going to carve out for herself? Because I really do think that we're underestimating her. I and agree. and you know the woman's thirty six when she hits forty, she's gonna be unstoppable.
1: Give give them a year, they're gonna have babies exactly. And then so we'll see, I guess, stay tuned. Yeah. all right, moving on, yeah, because that was um mm-hmm. <laughs> that was quite a deep dive.
0: That wasn't, but it needed to be done, I think, yeah. because I think there're just so many. You have the feminism lens, you have the racial lens, you have the class lens, and this is such an intersectional story that I'm glad we got to touch on even the media of it. So,
1: yeah. So, moving on to something we've been talking about for the past couple weeks, few weeks probably even. Um, So, we're now several weeks into the hashtag MeToo movement, and we're finally starting to see the backlash. Uh, It seems as though men and some women – uh, are having a difficult time comprehending the sheer volume of allegations that have come to light. Uh, whether it's the number of predators or the number of victims, it's kind of hard to say, but the backlash is very real. And it's largely surfacing as arguments about false allegations. Um, a New York Times editorial entitled, The Limits of, quote, Believe All Women?, argues that the feminist stance of believing all women who are sexually harassed and or assaulted is problematic because it means that women can never be wrong and therefore must always be right and that men are now living in fear of real or false allegations against them. Um, Both of which have led to some of the incidents the Washington Post has been reporting on recently regarding false allegations that they have been receiving Um, And the New York Times writer cites a tweet by a Teen Vogue columnist that is not Lauren um, (laughs) Duca who says, quote, I am not at all concerned about innocent men losing their jobs over false sexual assault harassment allegations. If some innocent men's reputations have to take a hit in the process of undoing the patriarchy, that is a price I'm absolutely willing to pay, end quote. But... As the work that the Washington Post has done in researching and reporting on the women who have been trying to trick them with false allegations of sexual assault, uh, they're actually showing us what the actual feminist belief is, which is actually believe women, not believe all women. Ooh. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Shit. Um, Yeah. I saw you giving me eyes on a couple a couple things there when I was talking.
0: Yeah, because okay, so first of all, I actually I don't believe that the volume necessarily means that, like the volume of yeah. of of of
1: um allegations, or allegations
0: victims. or victims signifies anything more than a we system- have a systemic. Problem. Yeah, I agree. This problem is systemic and it's also systematic. Yep. You know, so when you have systemic problems, they usually they usually hit a targeted audience or a targeted um, demographic, and there is a structure surrounding that that ensures that these problems continue, <sighs> mm-hmm. and w- like we've seen that. We've seen that um, with the uh, Mossad, ex-Mossad spies of Weinstein, and you know there was something else too. I think uh, other people, uh, other people doing like basically having like an army of spies. Not only that, you have the outer ring of people who know, see, heard what's mm-hmm. going on, and they say nothing. They're yeah. they're part of that problem too. So, um. I think the idea that the volume signifies that there are a lot of false accusations is a stretch. Um, I also think that you have to be doing some downward dog to be making that stretch. Yeah, and also you're just in denial. <laughs> you just, you just, you just don't want to face facts. And whatever, that's fine, great for you. Um, but you know, let's not pretend that this is not um, a systemic and systematic and cultural issue. I also think that the first thing, like I'm smelling some men's rights activist bullshit here (laughs) because they've been, they've been, they've been using this false accusation smokescreen yes. for a long yes. time, and way it, it, before these accusations. And it doesn't help
1: that there was that one in Rolling Stone that was actually a false allegation. Yeah, I keep hearing that brought up a lot. And I'm like, hmm, one does not make a pattern. Yeah. Um,
0: one data point does not make a pattern.
1: No, it's an out- it's called an outlier. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we study people. Um, but I do, like, so for those who, who don't, who aren't aware, Um, the Washington Post has been receiving um, allegations from women, particularly related to the Roy Moore um, incidents in Alabama, uh, where women have been coming forward to them and saying that they had had sexual relationships with Roy Moore when they were teenagers. One in particular said she had gotten pregnant and he forced her to have an abortion. Um, And so what the Washington Post did is they researched these this woman and did a background check on her to make sure that she was who she said she was she all of her her story checked out which is basic reporting Mm -hmm. and it turned out she had some inconsistencies so okay they started calling they met her again and started fact checking with her and it turned out she was working for project veritas which is a conservative organization that makes an effort to put on fake personas to try to discredit. Oh, she was mainstream. a plant. Yeah, they they try when, to discredit main quote unquote mainstream. Oh, media. like
0: that. Um, what what else? What, what that plant Like a, that Planned Parenthood video. Yes, that was a plant. Yeah, so she's a plant. Yeah, okay. so
1: like the, that type of thing. So they're try, They were trying to get the Washington Post to just blindly believe her story, without fact checking and doing reporting on it. So the stories, you know, Ronan Farrow worked so for so long on the Harvey Weinstein story and the Matt Lauer thing. People have worked for a long time on these stories because they're fact checking every part of the story to make sure that they're solid allegations. Jim DeRogatis with um, R. Kelly. Yeah. 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 So it's not just as though they're just being like, oh, well, so and so said that so and so raped her. So, therefore, she must be correct.
0: No, I think the, the idea that, uh, you know, that these stories aren't fact-checked to death. Yeah. Because these are people in powerful, men in powerful positions. And this idea that this, you know, that, yeah, it's not fact-checked is just stupid. It's just stupid to me. And it's just a bunch of men trying to get away from the fact that they have a problem. Yeah. And- they have a problem.
1: Yeah, and what believe women means is that you start from a place of belief and you have empathy for their their situation. Yeah, but
0: it doesn't mean you blindly follow them. No. Why, like, I don't understand why we have to point out the nuances that just seem so obvious. Like, not every single person is going to be your perfect victim. Mm -hmm. And we are always looking for the perfect victim. Yeah. I mean, like... But there's, there's a balance between that and actual reporting. Yes. And this idea that, that, you know, the left-wing media bias, which is bullshit, because media is corporate, it's not right or left. It's just really corporate. And the ones, the media that reflects your values, they're just, they're just targeting to you. Yeah. You don't even, like, they might not even believe what they're writing. <laughs> like, seriously. Like they just might be targeting you. Yeah, that's all, that's business, right? Like, but at the same time, like the idea that the media does not do its job, and actual reporters do their job. Let me let me not talk about the the media because editors, e- I'm not sure about them sometimes. <laughs> Um, but I really do, um, believe in the reporting that's been happening, yep. especially, and at Jezebel, Jezebel redeemed itself. Yeah. Recently. Yeah. Yeah. Which one was that? Was that the Louis C.K. one? Is Was it broken by Jezebel?
1: Uh, no, Jezebel, I think, had. See, we can't even remember. Jezebel had, re- or Gawker had reported on um, several years ago. But uh, I don't remember who broke this story. I think
0: Jezebel had some significant role in one of the sexual harassment stories. And so I, I really, the other part is, if Jezebel and Gawker and them are doing, are reporting, like are are actually reporting, mm-hmm. then I, I have some hope for the um, media industry, yeah. i really do because think about it jezebel started as a blog yeah remember racialicious
1: no (laughs) (laughs) okay
0: okay now i'm going back way into blogging days but the point is jezebel gawker all of these started as blogs yeah these weren't media outlets these didn't have the sway or the um talent or the expertise to do these kinds of investigations So the fact that these investigations are now primarily being done by maybe maybe not primarily, but that places that started out as blogs are now doing the investigations. If I were if I were old media, I'd be very much shaking in my boots.
1: Okay, so I think it's time to move on. Um, Guys, we got some uh, Canadian news. Yay! Yay. Canadian content! Um, Get that CanCon sticker. (laughs) Woo-woo! So earlier this week, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau named a new Canadian Supreme Court Justice. Uh, His pick was Alberta-based and Montreal-born Sheila Martin, uh, who is bilingual, holds bachelor degrees in civil and common law from McGill University, a master's in law from the University of of Alberta, And a doctorate from the University of Toronto. Um, She has a wide array of expertise, having practiced corporate and commercial law. Uh, She is a longtime teacher of judicial ethics and has drafted principles for the compensation of the wrongfully convicted. Um, Keeping with her social justice theme, uh, she has also delved deeply into equality law and the law on sexual assault and trained judges on. How to Eliminate Rape Myths and Stereotypes from Their Courts. Uh, Martin was also part of the legal team asked by the Assembly of First Nations to craft the Indian Residential Schools Settlement. She takes up a Western seat on the Supreme Court um, that will be vacated uh, later this December by Chief Justice Beverly McLaughlin, who will be retiring after 28 years on the court, and, um, and the past 17 as Canada's first female and longest serving chief justice. I have thoughts. What are your thoughts?
0: So he's not actually changing the ratio of men to women on the Supreme Court. He's just switching out one woman for another. Seems that way. Yeah, I'm not impressed. (laughs) Sorry. He hasn't moved the needle. Look. This everything that she is strong in, they are weak in. Yeah. Think about it. Yep. Indian residential schools. Rape. Rape. Rape myths. Rape myths. Um he really okay. So this is what I think of Justin Trudeau in this sort of in his because the other thing too is earlier in the week he gave um a speech on um how men should, you know, examine themselves in terms of the way they treat women. But it came on, it came off very patriarchal.
1: Hmm. It, ca-
0: it was, it was done within, it was said within the structure of patriarchy. Hmm. It was as though he was instructing men as their supreme leader without the input from women
1: the required
0: input from women. Right. So, and that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. He need, If he's going to take this on, you know what? I'm going to challenge his brand. And I'm like, this is what I think. I think his brand is being challenged from Jagmeet Singh, uh, from the left.
1: So I teased you earlier before we got started here about I have a new analogy. Ooh, good. Let's hear it. Uh, do you think that Justin Trudeau is the Taylor Swift of politics? (gasps) Oh my gosh, that's
0: awesome! That analogy is awesome! Okay, sorry, sorry. I almost got excited. I should turn down the volume for this. Okay.
1: (laughs) Um, Where everything's kind of calculated and you can kind of see how transparent it is. Yes. And you're like, oh, checking that box, checking that box.
0: I think he could I think he could have done better. I don't think the team around him knows how to do better for him. Mm. I think the team around him is checking those boxes. Yeah. And so they're like, okay, you got this and 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 this. Okay, good. Boom. Put it out there. Right. But we, but if you're a person of color and you've been through any sort of intake process, you've seen that before.
1: Yeah.
0: So... He needs, if he really wants to ride this social justice equality brand, he needs people around him with expertise in that field. Sorry. So not white people. (gasps) No. Not Gerald Butts, for God's sake. Like, how socially clueless could you be? (laughs) Like, he's not really that, you know, he's just not with it. And I'm just like, yeah, you say the right corporate things, but you sound corporate. They just always sound corporate Yeah, and corporate like sounding corporate means that it's not authentic. Yeah. And I don't think it's authentic because he's just I you know what I think. I think Justin Trudeau is one of those good looking guys. He's used to being good looking, getting what he wants and and smiling and winking. And all the women go. "Eh!" And um, (laughs) dudes are like, how do you do that? You know, and so, like, he uses that. Like, yeah. if you look at the way he interacts, especially with men versus women, he uses it. Right. So, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed with him. I think he is the Taylor Swift of politics. I should write this. <gasps> mm-hmm. Yeah, Erin. So
1: she thinks he is the Taylor Swift of I do. I do. Erin, look at you probing. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's good. Like she's a st- sounds like a strong candidate for the Supreme Court, and so great. Um, but like you said, he's not moving the needle. So cool way to keep the status quo.
0: Yeah, yay! You just switched like- out a younger. You know what I'm- I mean? Like.
1: <sighs> Yeah, she's got a very impressive resume. So yeah, you know what? She sounds great. Yeah, she sounds great. Look, I am not taking
0: anything away from her. Yeah, the reason I didn't talk about her qualifications is because I didn't need to talk about her qualifications. That was a given. I did. I. I'm not questioning her qualifications because. But what I'm questioning is him. Yeah, and I really do think that the election of Jagmeet Singh Mm. is weighing on him. Because Jagmeet Singh could take that social justice mantle from him, and then he has no brand. Yeah. What does he have to fall back on? Yeah. If he doesn't have, I love women, and I'm very <laughs> social justicey? okay, what does he have? Yeah. Because it's not policy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So- Actually, I got a question for you. Oh. You know how I always say how, like, he's, you know, how Trump is just, a, like, uses just the most vile things to distract. Yeah. And that really he's just distracting you from policy. Yeah. Do you think Justin is the same way except he uses social justice to distract from the policy?
1: Um like he uses the other side to do this exactly the same thing? Uh it's it's kind of hard to say because The systems are so different. Mm -hmm. Like, the political systems are so different because the liberals can basically put through whatever legislation they wanted and they don't need to necessarily distract us from it. Mm -hmm. It's, he's, uh, yeah, like, I think that this got them some good headlines. This and the next story we're going to talk about got them some good headlines after several weeks of really shitty headlines. And especially since their
0: finance minister did not do well in question period
1: recently yeah so i think that this mm-hmm. they were looking for something good yeah and this these two stories yeah are them yeah plus it's, the whole
0: you know plus the one i mentioned this yeah.
1: three pete
0: so close together mm-hmm. tells me that they think that they're in trouble
1: yeah I, yeah, I don't know that necessarily is for a distraction. I think it's just to change the narrative. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, you're right. I think it's just to change the conversation. Yeah. yeah. So so our next story is keeping it in Canada here. Um, We're I'll, hitting CanCon out of the park today. Yeah. Um, otherwise, usually the stuff's too inside baseball and not interesting.
0: That's true. <laughs> We're not going to tell you every... By the way, I follow the House of Commons on Twitter. Yeah. So every time they pass a motion, I fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really bleak (laughs) i'm like i'm like i see you ass (laughs) um uh
1: this week trudeau also issued an historic apology to lgbt canadians saying sorry for decades of quote state-sponsored systematic oppression and rejection Uh, trudeau expressed shame sorrow and deep regret to the civil servants military members, and criminalized Canadians who endured discrimination and injustice based on their sexual orientation. Laws and policies enacted by the government legitimized hatred and violence and public service, foreign service, and members of the military and Royal Canadian Mounted Police were all targeted and persecuted in what Trudeau called, quote, nothing short of a witch hunt uh, from the 1950s to the early 1990s. This was a pretty big deal, um, it was, yeah. Ellen DeGeneres tweeted Trudeau and said he was an inspiration. Yep. Um, Trudeau made this apology in the House of Commons. Um, and uh, he he shed a few tears. On cue. <laughs> yep.
0: I don't trust him. Taylor Sorry. Swifting. He's. <laughs>
1: well, that's that's actually where I got that idea. I was like, oh, of course he cried. Yeah. Um. That's, I... The man was a drama teacher. Yes. I'm sure he can cry, cry on cue. Yes. I I was like, of course he cried. And, like, even if he's very... He means well in what he's saying, and I'm sure he does mean well, the crying is a bridge too far for me. Yeah. I agree. Because... Yeah. So I'm I'm really happy that this happened, and I'm very, very happy for... All of those who experienced this oppression and rejection working in the public service, in the military, as a political staffer. Um, so that's awesome for them. And it's great for, um, you know, LGBT Canadians across the country. Mm-hmm. I just, like it, you were talking about the insincerity or the, the calculation.
0: Yeah, it's very calculated. Um, I also, but. On, so, I will take up from the positive before I go into negative. Okay. Okay. Um, and I will. Um, I think that it's a really strong precedent for Western countries, for the world. I think it really is. And it's, it, it's really good positioning outward of Canada because let's let's also not forget that with Justin's brand, he brings Canada with him. Yes. So I think for outsiders, like he's making Canada look like Shangri-La. He's mm-hmm. making it look like a utopian existence.
1: Particularly juxtaposed to Trump's America.
0: That's it. That's exactly it. It's a very good juxtaposition. Trump is the best thing that happened to Justin Trudeau in terms of, like, his, his career post-prime yeah. post, um, ministerial ship <laughs> is set. It's yeah. set for life, you know? And um, the rich get richer. And, uh, yeah. So I think, so let me put it to you this way. It's a great apology However, I have thoughts. And okay. my thought was, I like, you just read it, the reason for the apology. Where's the apology for to black people? Yeah. You know what I find? I find that white people can apologize to each other very well. Ooh. But when it comes to people of color and the shit they've done... Oof. If there's any piece of pe- if there's any people that deserve a fucking apology, it's black people, god damn it. Black Oof. people fucking it's built hot here. It, they built America. They built you know like even Harvard Law was started from the backs of slaves, yeah. sold slaves. They built that fucking country. Yeah. And you're telling me they can't get an apology? Wait a minute. All the people in Halifax who basically got Africville taken away from them, where's their fucking apology? Yeah. Where's their federal apology? All the black people who faced all of the deep discrimination moving from Oklahoma to Alberta, where the fuck is their um, apology? Yeah. All the black people in Chatham who built that farming community, where the fuck is their apology? Yeah. Where is the apology for Quebec still having a nigger rapids? Where the fuck is that? Yeah. So you know what? Nah. I'm good with the premise and not with everything else. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> well, on that note. And England too, by the way. So England mm. is another one, okay? Because where would England be if it weren't for that sugar, all those sugar plantations? Where? Mm. England and Scotland.
1: Yeah.
0: Huh? Where the fuck is our apology, Britain? You know what, Prince Harry? How about this? How about you give an apology to all the black people? Then we'll talk about your acceptance and inviting you to the cookout. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, on that note, uh, stay tuned.
0: <laughs> I got my bird, man, like. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: well, on that note, uh, stay tuned for rent and receipts. <laughs> So moving on to rent and receipts, this is where we each bring a story to share with the other and just we're gonna have a little chat about it. Yeah. So Erica's gonna get us started off with something a little lighthearted. I am. I'm light today. Great.
0: So do you know? So do you know there's a parody account for Lena Dunham? I do. It's called Lena Dunham Apologizes.
1: It's the best. It is
0: hilarious. hilarious (laughs) so as soon as so if you guys haven't been paying attention lena dunham um
1: apologizes all the time
0: apologizes all the time because she fucks up all the time and she never learns so i.e. white feminism so um what so this is in response to her taking um an accused rapist side against um an employee uh at her i think lenny was this pro employee working for lenny uh
1: i don't know it's some some i thought it might have been on girls it might have been on girls
0: yes it was on girls it was a producer or something so basically um a woman of color accused one of lena dunham's friends of um of rape And Lena Dunham's response as the, you know, female voice of a generation feminist um, was to believe the rapist. So, that necessitated an apology from a feminist.
1: Yeah.
0: So, but Lena Dunham's always apologizing. Yep. So... And you know what I like about this story is that it's, like, two women, like, a, who created this from Melbourne, Australia. <laughs> so, um, what happened was uh, a couple of women um, created a Twitter bot. And this bot uh, created tweets and runs the account of Lena... Dunham, A. P. O. L. S. and it rattles off satirical versions of her slip-ups, from listing Rachel Dolezal as one of her most influential people of color while storming an Oscar acceptance speech, to saying she was sorry she modeled her Brooklyn apartment on the millennialist minimalist industrial vibe of Auschwitz at the Holocaust Museum because that is something Lena Dunham would do. Mhm. <laughs> so, um if you guys go to this account, it's really funny. It has um I think like what they how they came up with it was that they googled Lena Dunham apologizes and apparently it got to like this this search had 2.5 million hits. So (laughs) they decided to create a parody account. And this is also to say that women in tech have senses of humor too. So take it away, ladies, and thank you. Thank you for providing some entertainment for us to laugh at Lena Dunham in this bleak world of a new Trump tax cut. Thank you.
1: (laughs) That's my rent and receipts. Great. Um... I like that we're both going kind of light today, and I like that we actually have a theme. Oh, good, Lena Dunham. Ah, uh, uh, well, white feminism. Okay, which is Lena Dunham. Yes, yeah, personified. Personified. Um, so mine is a column from Chatelaine magazine, um, and it's called "Why We Need to Talk About White Feminism Like Now." Um, and it's just. Can, can I just say it's that like
0: the fact it came from Chatelaine is cringeworthy in itself.
1: I mean, the column's not earth-shattering by any means. So, it's so they pretty much just what?
0: Did a like
1: It's It's mansplaining white feminism for readers of Chatelaine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I want their I want their Twittering page right now.
1: Um and so basically the column says that you know, we're at the end of 2017 and Women are feeling empowered, and they want to speak out against the patriarchy, against sexism, against sexual harassment, blah, 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 um, and how that's great. Um, But it also would be better if this new communal voice was speaking on behalf of all women uh, and not just, well, white women. Um, It then says... um,
0: I feel like this article has been written 15,000 times already. I know. know. What is wrong with Chatelaine? You know what? They they do reference
1: Lena Dunham and her, like, apology about the the sexual assault thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it says, Not to be confused with feminism practiced by white people. White feminism is a brand of feminism that minimizes, forgets, or willfully ignores the experiences of women of color. It looks at womanhood through a beige-colored, middle-class lens and ignores the many ways that women's issues specifically affect Black women and Latina women and Indigenous women and any women who aren't, well, white. That's wrong, first of all.
0: That is not the definition of white feminism. White it's feminist. part of the definition. It's part of the definition. It's not the whole definition. So, Chatelaine couldn't even get the definition of fe- white feminism, right? Yeah. Because white feminism is is deliberately non-intersectional. Yes. And intersections of of gender and race is only one intersection, right? Yep. We have <laughs> we have intersections within genders now, yep. you know what I mean? And also I I you know like it's it also has a very huge class component and it's not just middle class it's upper class so i mean chatelaine just as take some advice from some intersectional feminists you need to go back back to the drawing board if you're trying to do wokeness Mm -hmm. okay because you can't just like these, I and I see brands in Canada that have been white feminism. Chatelaine is white feminism. So, what is it talking about?
1: Well, they had, well, I, yes, because they had to explain to their readers what white feminism is. And then they
0: got it wrong with the wrong definition. I, Not even the definition was inclusive. <laughs> Chatelaine defended white feminism and excluded most of the definition. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I just can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. Um, I ain't sorry. It's but you know I'm looking at their. I'm looking at their part craft
1: sale. Their part. It's the type of magazine you read when you're waiting in the dentist lounge. Yeah, because there's nothing else. Yeah, and I, you know what? I don't even touch those magazines. Especially at the doctor's office, because those, I don't fucking know where anyone's hands have been. I don't want to touch no communal magazine. Why do you think I touched my phone? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Or I bring a book. Yeah. I could do that. I don't need your communal entertainment.
0: And I don't need to read Chatelaine. I think read Chatelaine is even a stretch. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this just goes back to, uh, so this week we lost nine regional papers in Ontario. Yeah. And um, this is the drivel that stays. So I don't, I don't, I don't know where they're going. I don't believe them. They are the Taylor Swift of magazines. <laughs> I'm done with them. Great. A nice, nice picture of Kate, though. I mean, no, 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 no. Let's just leave it to the people who think on a deeper level than one plus one equals two. Because <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even, like, who are, if this, if this is the level of racial knowledge that people in Canada have in the suburbs, in their little white, in their white existence, it's no wonder the countries in the state that it's in. Yeah. Anyway. So. (laughs) On that note. On that note, we just gave you rent and receipts. (laughs)
1: All right, so now we're on to misogynist of the week. We will, Erica. Who do we have this week? Matt Lauer. Yeah. I mean, I was gonna say woo, Yay! but I don't know why would I would be wooing.
0: I tell you what, I would be wooing because I've been waiting to drag this guy for years. You see, you see, I've been I've been getting like drag uppens, okay? drag uppence. because <laughs> like I I got to drag Justin Timberlake, which I waited. for years for R Kelly. Um this podcast has been good to me. Uh Taylor Swift who I consistently drag, Lena Dunham, and now Matt Lauer.
1: Okay, so we'll just go into the background. Um earlier this week Matt Lauer was accused of sexual harassment and sexual assault from multiple women at NBC. He was promptly fired. Um and yeah, he It was very swift. It was honestly, like, not long before he was supposed to go live on the air at the Today Show, Um, and Samantha Guthrie made a very emotional statement um, live uh, saying that she had just found out, and I felt really bad for her because it was just a shitty position for her to be put in, Um, and so, you know, then Variety posted a story um, detailing some of the allegations um uh yeah he his office in his office he had like a a secret lock button for his door underneath his desk where he could just like lock people in when they visited him apparently that's common occurring to laney gossip yes so apparently that's common and it was normal for people of high stature at nbc to have
0: oh but he didn't have the stature to have the button
1: no, he he did. Okay. That's why he had it. Okay, but he, I think he just used it for nefarious reasons. Oh, I
0: see. The point is, is that he I didn't was install like, the button, and then
1: I think that's the case. I okay. think it was installed because he's worth a lot of money and was the talent, and <laughs> um, it was because I think in, in the instance that like a shooter came in, and they were wreaking havoc, and he could just like lock his door.
0: Like, yeah, because him. he's the
1: talent. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> he, there was also allegations of him giving a colleague a sex toy as a gift and then a note detailing how, how he won. was going to use yeah. it on her, Yeah, which is 18 million levels of fucked up. Um, and then uh, one producer um, says in this variety story, quote, there were a lot of consensual relationships, but that's still a problem because of the power he had. He couldn't sleep around town with celebrities or on the road with random people because he's Matt Lauer and he's married. So he'd have to do it within his stable where he exerted power and he knew people wouldn't ever complain.
0: But that's what everybody does. That's what all of them do. So it's not like, I mean,
1: like. Yeah, but like it does. It's a very explicit quote that fair details one, the relationships, two, the power structure. Fair enough. Which is what all of these allegations right. for all of these men come down to is power. Yeah. And for someone to just actually fully acknowledge that outright mm-hmm. was kind of refreshing.
0: Yeah. 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 I totally agree. Yeah.
1: Especially, I think this was a, a male producer, but I'm not oh. 100% sure.
0: Oh. Um, oh, yeah, it was. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Okay.
1: So it actually was came out today um, that Matt Lauer's wife was leaving him. So good for her yay i mean took you long enough well you know they were going to get divorced years ago and then didn't why is that i don't know what i know that
0: they were going to get divorced like oh, because, does she know um, of his proclivities
1: the i think the divorce papers said it wasn't even irreconcilable differences it was something like he was verbally abusive and something else. Of course
0: he is, because yeah. he's an abuser and it's a pathology.
1: Yeah. So, Erica, I'm really... You have been, like you said, been wanting to drag Matt Lauer... I hate him. ...for so long. Why? He fucked over Ann Curry. Oh, yes. And ooh, did you see Ann Curry, where those
0: allegations came out? I didn't, but I oh, reread the
1: history of his relationship with Anne Curry. Uh, okay,
0: before we get into that, because this is, like... Not only that, there was something about him... And um, postpartum depression too. Back in the day, I'm 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 convinced. Look at Anne Curry's look at Ann Curry's Twitter background. Ah! <laughs>
1: wow, that's some next Y'all, level trolling. The, that's
0: some next. That's a Pete Souza level trolling.
1: That is Pete Souza level yeah. trolling.
0: Pete Souza is Obama's uh, photographer, like official White House photographer when Obama was in in power, and he has an Instagram account, which I suggest you follow, and he throws epic shade without saying a word. It is delightful. It is good. But this is some epic shade throwing, too, from Ann Curry. Damn. Fire. Fire. At Ann Curry. No E. Okay.
1: So, why don't you take us through the Ann Curry? So, um, after uh what's her face left katie kirk left to go to the nightly news um there were there's there was kind of a succession line of who would get the co-host job
0: right because that's what they used to do yeah Yeah. or do yeah um
1: and then so ann curry was next in line she got the the co-anchor job with matt lauer on the today show um did she come after him I couldn't remember. Or was she there before him? No, because no, he used to do it with Katie Couric.
0: Oh, he used to do it with Katie Couric and then Anne Curry came on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. Oh, that's right. Because Anne Curry was the break from all the blondes. Yes. That's why Anne Curry was like a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Okay.
1: And yeah, they didn't get along very well. Um, their on screen chemistry was virtually nonexistent. existent Um, the New York Magazine set gives a lot of examples about she would just like throw shade at him and just give him looks and kind of undercut things that he said that I guess he could get away with prior to her arrival. Um, and basically, it the ratings started dropping and the Today Show slowly started dropping and Good Morning America started rising. And as everyone changed the show that they watched in the morning because their relationship was just so unwatchable
0: yeah it was cringeworthy
1: um and so eventually it was the discussion like okay well matt's not happy with Anne, so we kind of need to get her out and how do we do this and she ann curry was on the today show for a year before she left right. slash was pushed out slash fired we don't really know um, and then it was a suggestion, let's say. Yeah, and there was like a, a behind the scenes code word that they project code word code word that they used to talk about this without people knowing. Uh, but then Samantha Guthrie came in, which is still the the co host on or still a co host on uh, the Today Show. So yeah, but uh, new- so
0: he is the star. Was. Was, well, okay. He was their star. Yes. He was their bright light. Yeah. Why? The man has the personality of paint drying. <laughs> and of 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 white psychiatric paint, not eggshell or mother of pearl. <laughs> <laughs> he. I don't know. I don't, like, Matt Lowers... Ascendancy just perplexes me. It really does, and all I could say is white privilege.
1: Well, this is another example of mediocre white men failing upward. Oh
0: my gosh! This do you know? I'm on his way. Okay. Um, he never finished college, right? Okay, and so at the age of 39, he received his undergraduate degree. But by the age of 39, he was like already up there. Yep. So my question is,
1: how did he get there? It's not like he has, like. He's not a magnetic personality. No, it's like, it's it's the
0: Peter Mansbridge, like, quandary that I find myself thinking about. Because Peter Mansbridge is another one who didn't really finish high school either. Right. So he failed up. And no, I wouldn't say fail. Sorry, I know there. I know Peter Mansbridge is a national Canadian treasure that nobody should touch or criticize, but I will. Um, he's another one who had the personality of paint drying.
1: I think, yeah, yeah. Like I don't think that he's a particularly interesting person, but I guess in times of national tragedy, Peter Mansbridge is or was a a calming source like he Yes. And I think that's what made him successful.
0: How many how many national tragedies could he possibly have overseen? No,
1: but I mean like when you compare him to anyone on CNN or Fox News, he's very measured. Fair enough. Uh, I will
0: I will give him that. In the bad times, he does steer a steady ship.
1: Yeah. However, I don't find bad- that with Matt, like Matt Lauer was fine. Like, uh, when, but he's just okay when the allegations came out when the news came out that he was fired. I was like, Oh, yeah, I believe that. Yeah, so did I. It's not because and not because like I thought he was skeezy in the way that Jeremy Piven is skeezy, Ugh. um, but more along the lines of, Oh, yeah, this is a white man with extreme amounts of power working in a- an area where there are a lot of young vulnerable women um so yeah of course i can see that he would be um have allegations of sexual harassment and assault totally yes and then there were tweets amongst from people including from some from the cbc personalities saying oh i really liked matt lauer who rosie barton was like, oh, I really liked Matt Lauer. That's sad. Well, great. Congratulations. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. Really? Yes. Back up,
0: back up, back up, back up. Okay. Rosemary
1: Barton on Twitter the morning that the news broke about Matt Lauer tweeted, that's sad. I really liked Matt Lauer. She's canceled.
0: And I hate I don't even like her on CBC now. So um, I'm sorry like that's the kind con- so
1: okay that's the problem
0: yes this is these are the um what the the supporting cast to to sexual harassment and abuse it's people like that because guess what you think that if I were a young intern you think I'd be going to Rosemary Barton if something happened to me no not with that attitude yeah. Oh, that's too bad. I really liked him. Right, because
1: it's all about you? But also, him being whatever, like, let's say good at his job, does not, like, mean he's not an asshole. Exactly! And he's not even that good at his job! (laughs) This is what I just, I can't even... That's the thing, is that, like, they're, they're mutually exclusive. You can still be a fucking dick and be good at your job. Yeah, it's possible. So...
0: Yeah. Okay, so with the postpartum depression thing, I was like, good, because I know my mind is not like leaving me. So <laughs> <laughs> So the postpartum depression thing with Matt Lauer is basically he was the one who was interviewing Tom Cruise when Tom Cruise went on his whole oh, yes. crazy pants yes. postpartum thing. So I I take it back.
1: The psychiatric thing
0: yeah, And I think, I think from that, I thought he was just, I, I didn't think I liked the way he handled that interview. And from that day, I was like, how the hell is this guy still on a show?
1: Yeah. Um, Matt Lauer is also uh, one of the people who interviewed Hillary and Donald Trump during the election. And fucking gave her in t- insanely hard questions. And then just was like, patted Donald Trump on the fucking head like Jimmy Fallon.
0: That's the patriarchy. Yeah. That's what we talk about. Yeah. Matt Lauer's canceled. Like, I canceled him. Like, that postpartum depression thing. And something else. He just seems so sleazy to me.
1: I mean, then, so, like, New York Magazine also put out a list of, like, thing other weird behaviors he's had In interviews. Yeah. Um, One of them was with Anne Hathaway. Uh, She had been doing some media for Les Mis, and some paparazzi shot a picture up her skirt, and she just happened to not be wearing underwear, which, one, like, don't wear an A-line skirt if you don't want – and no underwear. That makes no sense. Um, So, obviously, they got a – Breeze people. They got a big photo of, you know – Anne Hathaway's under nether regions, and Matt Lauer in his next in their interview together, he said to her, "He's like, oh Anne, you know, how are you? Seeing a lot of you lately?
0: That's awful. The f- you know what the fact that he wasn't like I, I, I <sighs> you you know what you know what these allegations have brought home to me is that some serious questions needs to be asked." to executive management, because they're fucking responsible. And that's the thing. Yep. They're the ones that give these people the power if they're not doing it themselves, which they probably are. Yeah. And so my question my thing is, you know what? You want answers, you go to the people who are ultimately responsible. When are we calling them out? When are we going to call out the actual power structure? And I don't care if it's a woman in that power structure either. Just like, you know, like, just like there are Stacey dashes of the world, there are also women who perpetuate that environment for their own success.
1: I don't think we will be ever get to, I ever get to the calling out of the the structure because in a statement put out when they fired him, NBC said, We'd never heard any of this before. This is the first bullshit.
0: You know what? If they didn't hear it, then either it's because they
1: weren't fucking listening.
0: They're either stupid or incompetent, or they're lying. Yeah. So they're stupid or incompetent or or they're lying. In which case, they need need
1: to be fired anyway.
0: Thank you. The whole lot of them. People remember when last week we were like, I don't know, do we fire these? You know? Yeah. I'm like, you know what? you know what would be interesting you keep them but you fire everybody else around them yeah that would be awesome
1: that would be an interesting experiment that would be an interesting experiment because put then fucking women everywhere
0: yeah and put yes and put women everywhere actually i like that no don't fire them do not fire them okay this is how you deal with them okay
1: you put women above them in any, any and all positions and make that person's life a living hell
0: that's right and you fire everybody, including the women who decided that that who were complicit, who were complicit. That's how you deal. With it. I would love to see that experience. You know what? I feel like we just made a breakthrough. Hmm. Huh. Interesting. This because think about that. That would be. You know how. In movies you'll be like, Oh, I won't kill you. You know, living would be worse. I yeah. feel like this is one of those like those oh. Yeah.
1: Huh. Uh-huh. Make him leave out of his own decision.
0: That's right. That's yeah. right. Huh. So you demote him. I think he should be demoted. Hmm. Because you know how men and jobs like men's yeah. identity is tied up in the work they in their job and their yeah. job title, right? For the most part. Hashtag not all men. Anyway, um, but also, yes, all men? Hashtag yes, all men. Um, so, I, so I think that um, that would be – yes. Yes. The more I think of – look at your face. Okay, I got to take a picture of your face. It's awesome. Because um, you have the – you look like you're plotting and plotting.
1: Well, so one of the other things about Matt Lauer okay, I didn't... is that okay, that's he – I just – stuttered because Erica was taking a photo of me and I didn't want my mouth to be open.
0: Yeah, because the first one I took was your mouth was open. I'm like, let's let's not
1: do that. Um, no, so Matt Lauer's lawyers were actually trying to chase down the rest of his salary for the next year of his contract, um, which is about 20 to $25 million. Um, they were unsuccessful. Oh, really? Because his contract stipulated that he wouldn't get paid out in the event of embarrassing NBC. Hey! guess fucking what this is awesome
0: i love this story so much
1: (laughs) i wish you could see her oh my
0: gosh and now he's broke (laughs) well he's not not broke broke. (laughs) still it is embarrassing that's embarrassing it is that's like a humiliation at least his wife finally left him
1: yeah she learned her a lesson, yeah, don't, for good. No, don't let a man humiliate you. Like anyway, that. that's our misogynist of the week. Yay! Is this your, is this your favorite one so far? Uh,
0: I liked our Kelly, um, like Weinstein. Like I never, I always thought he was just gross. Like you know, yeah. So that's my. F- Too bad we didn't do Russell Simmons.
1: That's a very niche one. It's very niche, and also like this one usurped it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this one is... No, no, no. Like, I I, I get the whole, you know, Russell Simmons got... Egg, but I just... I wanted to mention it anyway because I read his little apology letter. It was shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, Matt Lauer, go fuck yourself. Bye. <laughs> okay, bye. Um, Boy, bye. <laughs> hard. Do um, you guys... Rate the podcast, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Bad and Bitchy. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Bad and Bitchy Pod, on Facebook.com forward slash Bad and Podcast. Send us an email, send us your thoughts, send us suggestions um, to Bad and bepod at gmail.com. And as always, we want to take the time to thank Media Style for letting us use their space. MediaStyle is a progressive public affairs agency located in Ottawa, and they are a social enterprise making Canada a better place.
0: Woohoo! Thank you, MediaStyle.
1: And I guess that about does it, Erica.
0: All right. Bye. 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 <laughs>